What's up, guys? Welcome back. This is episode number 59, and I'm going to apologize in advance because for some reason I cannot seem to get my fancy microphone to work. And y'all know me when it comes to technology, I'm going to keep it simple and just want to put the word out there that today's episode is fire. So if you are somebody that deals with any kind of uh, thyroid conditions, maybe you think you might have some thyroid conditions, maybe you wonder if there are some things you should be checking into, specifically around hypothyroid um, and Hashimoto's, because the two typically go hand in hand. And today I have a guest speaker on, Lee Montgomery, who is a specialist in this field, um, talks about her own personal journey to identifying the things that she needed to change in order to overcome her Hashi symptoms and just some overall things that we can be doing to better our chances for having a healthy thyroid long term. So Without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and get you guys right into this episode. Uh, full transparency, this was something that I also offered to my clients to come on and anybody in my community to come on and be able to ask questions and stuff like that. So there is a lot of free form. Um, and if you want to be a part of any of these types of recordings or you want to be a part of my Facebook group to have the opportunity to actually talk to specialists like Lee, uh, shoot me a message or follow the link in my show notes for you to go ahead and join my Facebook group. But without further ado, let's get rolling. Thank you. That's so awkward. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. Um, just cause I mean, obviously, you know, we all get a little touch of the thyroid health and all that. We know the importance of it as coaches, but, uh, just, you know, I honestly wanted to learn a little bit more, more about your story. Uh, and obviously, uh, in the, as we grow as nutrition coaches, there's a lot of people we, that we resonate with or that we talk to that have Hashis and Hashimoto's and thyroid conditions. And there's just so many things that people don't understand about it. And I think that sometimes having a professional that specializes in it really understand stressing the importance of specific things that we tell them to do, or even things they don't realize they're doing that could be affecting them could be so helpful. So, uh, first of all, yeah. Um, I just want to start by introducing you. Welcome. And, uh, let you talk a little bit about yourself. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, so my name is Lee Montgomery. Um, and I'm 45 years old, which is, I'm really having a hard time coming to terms with that. Uh, I still feel like the young girl on the block and I'm not, uh, but I am a wife and a mom of three boys. So very, very busy. I own my own nutrition company. Um, I, I work with nutrition clients. Um, these are just regular moms and dads that just want to look good, feel good, be a little bit better in life. Um, and that's called CYP nutrition here. Um, I only take on about 10 of those clients at a time though. So, but my specialty is working with women with autoimmune disease called Hashimoto's, which is, um, or Hashimoto's thyroiditis. So that is actually, of course, my kid starts calling as soon as I do this. That's okay. um, <laughs> so, um, I work with women with Hashimoto's and, um, it's funny because it's, it's 2021. So the kid that was just calling, I actually got my first lab indication that I had a thyroid disorder uh, at my three-month postpartum checkup oh, wow. after him. Yeah, so got um, got a phone call and they the lady was like, where are you? And I was like, at the grocery store, why? And she was like, um, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, what are you asking this for? And she's like, well, your TSH is greater than 150. Oh, wow. And we need you to get home, possibly not drive. And I was like, okay, well, I feel completely fine. I'm going to check out these groceries. <laughs> um, but at the time I had no idea what was going on. I didn't even know what TSH was. Mm -hmm. um, it took me three doctors to get to the bottom of it because once we started diving in, I had a lot of symptoms I was ignoring at the time. 
a lot of symptoms. And um, it took me three doctors to get a Hashi's diagnosis simply because people weren't running the correct test. Um, looking back on that, I've definitely had Hashi's probably for the last 20 years, if I had to guess. Um, lots of indicators in my early 20s. Um, and for me, the biggest things were I had, I, w I remember meeting my husband. Um, we were just dating at the time. I was 24 years old and I, good looking guy, right? Um, zero libido. I knew then something was wrong. And I actually brought it up to my doctor and he told me I need to go home, drink a glass of wine and just chill out. Um, yeah, um, that didn't work y'all. Uh, so, uh, yeah. yeah, hair loss, like I, I should have, I should go get pictures of what my hair would look like back then. I mean, like in a ponytail, it was like this. I mean, there was nothing there. You could see my scalp, um, adult acne. So growing up, I never had bad skin. At 25, I was horrified with what was on my face. I had acne all here um, and then started getting a little bit on my back, started getting a little bit on my chest. And I'm like, what the hell? Something's not right. Uh, and then super heavy, long periods, lots of clotting. And by heavy and long, I mean, 10 to 15 days. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it was pretty miserable. And then constipation. And all of the doctors that I ever went to, not one of them ever asked me how often I go to the bathroom. Because at the time, it was once about every two weeks, 10 to 14 days. And I thought that was normal. That's yeah. That's yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So um, really, really kind of crazy. And so, you know, it was in 2009 is when I got into CrossFit and um, it was kind of new uh, around that time. And um, I somehow became the go-to girl there for nutrition stuff. So I was running the paleo challenges, all the things that we did back then. Right. And I really like this. I think I want to learn more about it. So I started going after nutrition certifications and sitting in on anything I could sit on. I got, I became a really big fan of Diane Sanfilippo at the time, got to meet her in person um, and started on that route. About four years ago, I retired from my job of 20 years, my career, I worked for a hospital um, and went all in on my nutrition business, CYP nutrition. And um, got about, one of the things me and Cheryl have in common is we have the same business coach. And uh, about a year into it, Jason was like, you're doing the wrong thing. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he was like, I know you love nutrition. He was like, but everybody wants to talk about hashies with you. Why are you not talking about that? And I was like, cause I'm not a doctor, you know? And I thought because it was called something I needed like a medical term, you know, medical um, initials behind my name. And that was kind of the beginning of what I do now, which is, you know, teaching women to become an expert in their own bodies so that they can live and thrive with Hashimoto's. Yeah. I absolutely love all that. And I think the, the biggest thing that I'm hearing from all of that is, is common with all of us, right? We go to the doctor and if you're not sick, dying, you're well, so you're fine. Yes. And yes. you have to, and this goes for everybody here. And this maybe even if you have Hashimoto's or thyroid issues or not, is we have to be advocates for ourselves. And the other piece of that is you don't know how bad you feel until you feel better. And so yes. for women like you who are like, I'm losing my hair. Like I just, you just think that you're genetics. Yeah. And you don't I just know thought that was normal. Like I was a yeah. teen mom, you know, yeah. and, and I put myself, I was a teen mom. I, I got pregnant in high school, had my baby my senior year. 
um, on the National Honor Society. I literally graduated in May and August, me and my baby loaded up and we still went to college. Like we just kept going. So I was thinking, you know, just, you know, putting the pedal to the metal, I'm just busting and grinding. Of course, I don't have any hair. I'm stressed out. Like I just never even thought for a minute that there was something actually going on inside of me. Not one time. Yep. Now, did you have, because I'm curious, this could kind of go into some of our clientele is, did you have issues with body weight, like your own weight? Did you have a hard time losing weight? Were you gaining weight? Did you have any of that kind of stuff going on? So looking back, I was kind of all over the place. So it was very, very skinny in high school, um, about 118 pounds. Um, even after I had my oldest son, um, I gained like 45 pounds with him. I lost it all. So even in my senior pictures, I was like a rail. Um, and then there's around when he turned three or four. So now I'm in my early twenties. I have pictures of me at about 130 pounds. So I'm not big by any means, but it's 20 pounds heavier than what I had carried in high school. But I have the solid round moon face that goes with Hashimoto's. Like it is, I was like, wow, that's what that looks like. Um, Cause it's not like it was because I was, had gained a lot of weight. It was a, I mean, my face is totally looking, it looks completely different than it did back then. I totally um, love to see your photos. I really would just because yeah. I would like to see just as a coach. It's just so crazy. Yeah, um, I'll share them. And you also get to see the 1980s like stick or 90s thick eyebrows that I had. Oh. <laughs> That's funny because I, I was born in 85. So when I was in my mid 90s, my mom was like, not going to the salon. She's like, just grab a little razor. And, and literally I had like pencil thin eyebrows. Yes. That's what she did. I'm like, <laughs> and now I'm the opposite. I'm like, I don't like to touch my eyebrows at all. Um, tangent, but anyways, so I think that uh, there's so many things I want you to really kind of dive into is, can you explain exactly what Hashimoto's is? And, and we'll kind of go into the thyroid and all that stuff. Can you just kind of like give a quick, whatever your quick little rundown of what Hashimoto's actually sure. is? So I always like to talk about the two parts of this, right? So there's hypothyroidism, which is when your thyroid just isn't producing enough thyroid hormone, okay? And then that's what you have. A lot of people get diagnosed with that. Here's the thing though, 90% of the women that have hypothyroidism actually have Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune condition. And that is when your body and this is very basic terms, but you're basically your body, your immune system is attacking your own thyroid and it kind of sends it into a whirlwind. Um, and so the biggest difference is that with hypothyroidism, when it's not caused by autoimmune disease can typically, once you catch it, you can change a few things, maybe um, start some supplementation like vitamin B helps, selenium helps. Some people have to get on a thyroid supplement and it can be temporary. Um, but if we get them sleeping again, we get them hydrated, we take a little stress, they can actually reverse that, right? Like they can just move in it and out of it. With Hashi's, um, there's so much outside of just the little white peel. It's lifestyle and nutrition. That's where you're gonna gain the most bang for your buck. Um, there's controversy on whether it is um, reversible or whether you can put it in remission. I will be happy to say that my doctor believes in remission. Um, I think that had a lot to do with my mindset because I am officially in remission now. So I don't really care what anybody says anymore because my, my blood work doesn't show happiness anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and it did for seven years, seven yeah. years. So um, 
that's the biggest difference though. It's one, your body, your, actually your immune system attacking your thyroid. And to add to that, can you have Hashimoto's and not have hyper or hypothyroid? Like yes. not have, yeah. Yes. And you can yes. have it and your thyroid could be fine. You might not have it, but you can still be experiencing the symptoms even though yes. your thyroid's not necessarily under overactive. And I think this is where people yes. kind of get into trouble because they're like, well, my thyroid hormone or my, my levels are coming back fine. And they're not doing that extensive next step of, of doing that. So what are some things that you would recommend for people who are maybe trying to get, you know, cause I, I get this, I, I'm like, there's something wrong here. And it might be, I might be thinking thyroid, but really what I'm thinking is there's some kind of a thing going on. And I would right. say probably Hashimoto's or some other kind of autoimmune. What are some things or some steps that they can do to kind of like bring it up to their doctor? What kind of tests should they be looking for outside of just the normal stuff? So um, one of the things I want to just chime in on there is that the majority of clients that have Hashis will come back hypo or close. Okay. Some of them may not, they, if they're going to conventional doctors, may not agree because they're using standard lab test results versus optimal, right? So for example, just for a, a reference point, and I'm happy, I have lots of resources. I am happy to send you all of this after this, if you want to share it with um, yeah. your group. Um, a TSH, uh, conventional doctor, standard lab results will say um, anywhere from about 0.5 to 4 to 5. Mm-hmm. That's normal, right? So you could test at a four and a half and they would say, well, Cheryl, you're fine. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with you. You're, you're in lab. You're within range. My TSH at a four, literally chunks of hair are falling out of my head. I'm starting to lose my eyebrows at that point. I can't think straight. I can't word find. I mean, like things are going awry, right? Where if you look at optimal levels and these levels are actually based on healthy individuals, Standard lab tests are based on all individuals. Well, so you've got six people in there. Well, I don't really care what their lab results are, right? Yeah, right. Optimal levels, that TSH, they say, for a well person should be somewhere between 0.5 and no higher than two, two and a half. Got it. It's a huge difference. A huge difference. So that just understanding what optimal is versus standard is super important when you're dealing with the, the thyroid. But to go straight to the question, when I am starting to work with girls, the, the panel that I tell people to run, um, obviously we want TSH. That's what every doctor runs. Most women come to you, they probably know what their TSH is. Um, I like to look at the free T3, mm-hmm. okay? And that is, free T3 means it's, it's, a, it's available for use, right, in your body. Um, that's the happy hormone. So we want to know what that is because that's the one, it's the active hormone. It's the one that actually makes us feel good. Okay. Um, free T4. So TSH will stimulate the thyroid to make thyroid hormone. It makes T4, right? The T4 is then converted to the T3. So we want to know how much T4 is available for that. Super important, right? Um, most thyroid meds, Synthroid, Levothyroxine, those are T4 sub, um, replacements. Okay. Your armors, your, uh, ND thyroid, MP thyroid, retroid, all of those, those are desiccated pig type thyroid. And those are T4, T3. And that's why a lot of people feel so much better on them. It's because they have a little bit of the active hormone in them that actually make them feel good. So yeah, TSH free, free T4, free T3. I like to look at just the T3 
Um, that's more of a long-term look. So I always, I like to compare it to, and I don't know if this is clinically correct, but in my head, it works. Um, think about uh, fasting glucose versus an A1C. Okay. Fasting glucose is right now. That's your free T3. A1C is kind of a lo longer term yeah. look, right? That's your, your regular T3. Um, so I like to look at that. And that one, I tell people that one, get once every year, once every two years. We just want to have a baseline in there. Yeah. Um, I like to look at reverse T3 um, because when the conversion's not going right from free T4 to T3, um, if it's making a lot of reverse T3, that's an indicator that there's inflammation going on in the body. Something's not converting right. So many doctors don't run this one. Um, and it, it, it can wreak havoc on you, right? Um, and then TPO antibodies, TG antibodies, and then vitamin D levels. Mm -hmm. I rarely get a girl that has thyroid labs that are in range and a vitamin D that's out of whack. Like initially when they're first getting diagnosed, yeah. those almost always go together. I a crazy, yeah, super low vitamin D levels, thyroid's out of whack. Yeah. So this is kind of like, kind of going off into a tangent because this is like super interesting to me is, so obviously this doesn't develop over overnight and there is likely some kind of a genetic predisposition, autoimmune and all that stuff. What do you feel like are the biggest contributing factors for the development or the expression of Hashimoto's becoming active in people? Okay, good question. So there's two things that are going to um, determine if your autoimmune gene is gonna be turned on. So there's, or if you even have it, genetic predisposition. So my dad has Parkinson's. So when I got tested positive for Hashis and I realized, and then I put it together, oh, wait, I know where I got that gene from. You know what I'm saying? Like, so genetic predisposition, and it's not just Hashis, it's any autoimmune disease. So if you have an, a mom that has RA or dad that has Parkinson's, or if there's type one diabetics in your family, you know that that ge genetic predisposition is present. Now, that doesn't mean it's gonna turn on in everyone. My brother has nothing. My little brother has nothing. You know, so what I'm saying, it doesn't necessarily turn on. That's environmental triggers is what we call that. Mm -hmm. So when you look back into my teenage years, uh, I had a lot going on um, at the time. I mean, I could, I could write a whole book on my mom was married to a guy that was an addict and he was in and out of rehab um, to the point I ended up getting pregnant as a teenager, put myself through college. So all of this stress, what, I mean, what, yeah. my body didn't stand a chance, right? Turned it on. So acute stress, so acute trauma, you know what I'm saying? Some sort of family loss, um, a car accident, um, any of that could trigger it or chronic stress. Another thing that we see, and I've actually tested positive for it is, um, Epstein-Barr syndrome. Mm. So, uh, I have chronic Epstein-Barr syndrome, which is basically, I had mono at some point. Uh, and I was uh, talking to my doctor about that. As soon as I graduated college, I got a job at Dell computers in Austin, Texas. And it was my first time to work Christmas. So, you know, I'm trying to hit my quota, working my butt off and I got strep throat. And I remember I had to call in and I was out two weeks. Like it knocked me on my ass. I ended up driving all the way home so that I could be with my mom. Cause I felt so bad. Um, and my doctor looked at me, she goes, did you go to the doctor? And I'm like, yeah. She goes, did they treat you with antibiotics? I was like, yeah. She goes, strep throat doesn't last two weeks. She goes, 
that was mono. That's when this started. And so that's another one that they have been able to link over time is uh, chronic Epstein-Barr syndrome or just Epstein-Barr syndrome in your system at all. So if you know you've had mono and you're having these symptoms, go get tested. Yeah. It's so important because I think that, and the reason I asked that is because so many people, I feel like now with the dieting culture, people with thyroid conditions or Hashimoto's condition or any, or, you know, anything like that, we tend to focus a lot on the nutrition and the nutrition is a huge component of it. Like we, we know that we're nutrition coaches, like, but the other stuff outside of what they're eating gets overlooked. Oh, I don't need to sleep. Oh, I don't need to worry about that stuff. And they're going to eat so healthy and they're going to train and they're going to work out. And they're like, I just, you know, they're, but they're anxious and they're crying. And, and I, I experienced that with some of my clients and like, just trying to get them out. It's like, Hey, you have got to sleep. And I think somebody who now you said you're 45, which by the way, you look amazing, but like looking back at like where this started, right. It was in your teenage years and it takes that long. And, and as I do have some girls who are, I have a girl that I'm thinking of right now, who's a ballerina likely diagnosed. And she's going to be watching this afterwards. Cause she does have some questions for you. Lost her father. And we last year uncovered that she has Hashimoto's and we've been working, you know, really hard on, on some things. And, and I'm like, you know, it's, it's, it's just crazy though, because I'm like the life that people live then affects us later in life and we don't realize it. And then when we're later on in life and we're 45, 55, 60 years old, and we're trying to put the bandaid on a problem that's been developing for the last 30, 40 years, it doesn't work that quickly. So that was why the next tangent is like, okay, you find out your Hashimoto's, you know, you're, you're going through this, this whole phase. What was the process like of like finding the right treatment and, and getting the right plan in place for yourself to kind of start to feel better? Like, when did you actually realize you felt like shit? And then when did you start feeling good again? So, oh gosh, now that one, that would take us all day to talk about. Um, (laughs) So, you know, like I said, I knew something was going on. I had, there were years before I had my youngest child, which, you know, I would say, I know that's when I got diagnosed because it was, I was postpartum with him. But years before that, I had seen a naturopath. I was going to health food stores. I was begging my gynecologist to listen to me. I refused to take birth control because I, that is one thing that I related, like birth control stops the heavy periods, but birth control made me crazy. Like there, something was not right. Um, and so I was chasing answers uh, and knew something wasn't wrong. Like I just knew, I was reading some of the first books I read um, were Suzanne Summers books. You know, she's got all those books about hormones. Oh, yeah. And I would sit in my bed and read these books and just cry because I was like, something's wrong with me. Like I, I am this person, but here's the thing at the time I was in my twenties, I was late twenties, early thirties. Like that's crazy. It shouldn't be like that. Right. Um, and so finally got a little bit of an answer when my gynecologist happened to run the TSH and, um, I went to, he wanted me to go see an endocrinologist. Okay. Walked into my first endocrinologist appointment. I waited three months to get into this, like the world-renowned endocrinologist in Austin, Texas. I walk in to see this woman and she totally disregards my symptoms, tells me, here's your Synthroid, I want you to take this. And I was like, okay, well, let, I had done enough research to know, like, hey, what about diet and nutrition and lifestyle? And she's like, 
There's no research that supports going gluten-free is going to help you. So just eat whatever you want. This is what you need to do. You need to take this Synthroid. I literally got up and I said, you're not the doctor for me. And I walked out and she actually wrote in my chart that I was non-compliant and left against medical advice. (laughs) Crazy. Yeah. And so then that's when I went down the road of, I've got to find a functional med doctor, um, Amy Myers. Most people know who she is. She's pretty well-known. Um, she got very popular. Um, it was about the time that I hired her, uh, and I was with her for a solid year and I made a lot of progress in that year, um, with her. So started going down that route and I've been, I'm now my eighth doctor. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's not, I always tell people, there were some quacks in there. Don't get me wrong. Uh, my gynecologist actually didn't diagnose my hashies, just the thyroid problem. It was a couple doctors in, and I call him a quack because he was crazy. Um, he's the one that ran the test. So he diagnosed me, but I, then I ran as fast as I could, but I've had some really great doctors along the way. I just outgrew them. Like they knew enough to help me get to the next step. But then I had to find a doctor like, cause I was, I was chasing true health. I wanted to fix this. And there were some doctors that I could tell weren't quite on board with me on that. Yeah. Um, I just had a thought when you were talking about doctors and all of that. And I like, I had a thought and I I just lost it at the same time. Um, But I wanted to say, guys, anybody of you guys that have specific questions, don't be afraid to like raise a hand or unmute yourself. Cause I know that you guys, we all like, obviously we're probably not liking to show our face on Zoom. You guys, I don't know if you ever have that. Um, So the other question, I know where I was going with this is, what about the girls that you, what about the girls that you work with, um, in your circle? Like what kind of, um, so just kind of like going into what kind of things do you kind of experience that they all have common problems with or common struggles in their life? And, and what do you, what do you typically recommend to start working on them? So basically like, what do you feel like are the biggest contributing factors of their hashies that are common? And then what do you typically try and work on with them? So, um, I wrote a whole book for my course. I love it. <laughs> By the way, I'm going to put that in the show notes to you guys. So if you guys want it, you can go order it. <laughs> yeah, it's 261 pages. Um, and I always tell people it's 261 pages. We don't even talk about food until we're on like week six. Okay. Um, they, most of these girls come to me and they are trying, they are burning it down at five hours, six hours of sleep. Yep. Like, and chronically dehydrated. Um, which, you know, I could go on a whole tangent about that. I worked for a hospital for years in, um, I was in revenue integrity, but I was in medical records all the time. Even in this pandemic, I tell people all the time, hydration is key. When we would see people come in through the ER with pneumonia, with influenza, um, strep throat, all of these things, do you know what got them admitted into the hospital? It was their hydration status, not the pneumonia. They could treat the pneumonia at home. They could treat the the flu at home. It was dehydration. Our body is majority. Everything in us works on hydration, everything in us. And so how do we expect if if we have an autoimmune condition and our immune system is attacking our body, like how do we make sure our body is equipped to fight back? Like number one thing you can do is stay hydrated. It's so easy, yet it's so hard, <laughs> you know? And once again, it's like, you know, I get this a lot and like, I'm obviously in the middle of trying to create a whole new rebranding for myself because I don't want people, I think people focus way too much on just like, can you just give me some macros? I'm sure you got that at one point when you were coaching and, and you and I know, like 
I'm doing so much more than your macros. Like that's, that's a very small percentage of you looking and feeling your best. And so I just think it's awesome that that's the way you take that. And it starts from the bottom and rebuilding. And Dylan will tell you, like, we just were working on this whole new triangle thing. And at the very bottom of it is lifestyle and habits and all this stuff, because it's so important that like, you have to like almost earn that you have to earn that part of it. And, and, and it's also a tangent for what I was talking about, the dieting, the dieting mindset now is people just have this like thing in their head. Well, I've got Hashimoto's and I've got hypothyroid. I can't lose weight and I can't eat gluten. And that's all I'm going to do to fix it. They're just going to avoid gluten and dairy because that's what they're told, but they're not fixing any of the other stuff. And they, and they wonder why they're not getting anywhere because that's part of the problem. But it's like, it's like saying you need to hydrate, but you're not hydrating because you can't get access to the glacier water from Iceland. Like, no, let's just drink some tap water for now. So it's like start somewhere, you know? So but it is like, that's the way our culture is. And it's kind of funny. You mentioned like the paleo, because that's, that's what really brought me into nutrition is I, I had come from a background where I was, I had an, an eating disorder and was very fascinated about teaching people how to eat. And where I fell was, I was, I wanted someone to show me how to eat enough. Like I knew mm-hmm. how to eat healthy. I didn't want them to teach me how to eat Oreos and pizza. I wanted somebody to be like, Hey, it's okay to have more sweet potato. And, yeah. and then I fell into paleo and I loved it. Cause I'm like, Oh, this is exactly what I was looking for. And I, I geeked out with Rob Wolf. Rob Wolf was my, yeah. like, he was my, like, that was my generation. Yeah. He yeah. moved here. He lives in New Braunfels. He lives 30 minutes from me now. That's awesome. And he's, and he's yeah. still doing great things. And it's funny because yeah. I just listened to a podcast with him and he's, and the question he was asked is if you were to do anything different, when you went through your whole book branding of paleo solutions, what would you change? And he said, I would put more emphasis on sleep than nutrition. Yeah. So it's funny that you yeah. mentioned sleep because yeah. that's the same thing. So, there's only one, there's only one topic in this book that gets two weeks of our attention and it's sleep. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. So I yeah. do have a couple of questions for you that I want to make sure we ask because they might um, spark up. And this is coming from a client of mine who can't be here tonight, but she just emailed them to me. She goes, I emailed you some questions. Um, questions she asked, um, how do you manage flare up? So like you know, she, this is the girl, she's still about a year into kind of figuring things out and they're still working on, they changed her medication. She's on the NP thyroid now, and she's still figuring things out. Um, but she's, she goes through a lot of ups and downs in mood and, and energy. And, and I think that her question is how did she manage flare ups, which is something that you might relate to where like, she might feel good for a couple of days, but then for like two weeks, she's like, I, I don't know what caused it. I don't know what the trigger was. Um, any suggestions on that? So I always tell people, and and hear me when I say this, I'm not saying you're not having a flare, but I always like to preface this. Just because we have ups and downs doesn't mean we're flaring or not flaring. Okay. That's normal. Cheryl, do you have ups and downs in your life? Oh yeah. Today was a down day. Today was a down day. (laughs) So I always like to preface that because mindset's everything here. If we believe every time we're down, we're in a flare, it's true. Yep. That's that makes sense, right? So, so I tell people, be very careful how you speak to yourself about the ups and downs. Now, you can't change what you don't track, what you don't know. So I tell people, women with hashies, as soon as you find out you have hashies, get you a folder, start putting your lab work in there in order. As you get lab work, document how you're feeling. You need to know, when I had this TSH, I felt like this. When I Got had it. this T3, I felt like this. Go get your lab work when you feel good. 
Don't just get it when you feel bad so that you know. And then pay attention. Like ask yourself, today I'm not feeling great. Did I, was it, did I sleep eight hours last night? What's my sleep trend been for the last seven days? Not just the last two days, because we can't ignore the Friday, Saturday that we stayed out till 3 Mm a.m. or we drank too much. You know what I'm saying? Like you have to, is there anything emotionally draining me? Like is work draining me? And is there something, you know, just am I holding a burden of someone else's? Because I'm going to tell you a big part of the happy girl journey is because most of us are fixers. Mm-hmm. Most of us are high functioning is we hold other people's burdens because we want to fix them too. And we can't. And so getting rid of that excess, which I always tell people, anyone could take my course and benefit from it. I just talk to hashy girls. So getting rid of that, anything that's interview robbing to you, right? I'm like gonna take your course. I want to take it. I'm gonna, it's I'm like, gonna, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna you, you could, anyone could take it and they would benefit because it's, it's so good to, to relieve yourself learning, you know, that your yeses are yeses, your noes are noes. Um, what does your food quality look like? Have you been so stressed out at work that for the last seven days, you've been doing takeout at dinner? You know what I'm saying? Like all of that stuff really matters. Are you consistent with your supplements? Are you consistent with your bedtime routine? Are you, con- you know, are you, are you chronically dehydrated? Are you drinking? Everybody's like, why well, drink enough water? And then when they actually track it, like they actually buy a big cup and put the water in there and try, they're like, oh, I was really only drinking 25 ounces a day. Yeah, That's not, you know, like, <laughs> so I always tell people, if you're consistently doing something, what I would recommend to her is get a folder, start taking notes, start tracking it because there's gotta be something in there that's triggering her. And it could be food related. People all the time, well, I went gluten-free, it didn't work. Okay, well going gluten-free is the first step. But if you have a compromised gut, if you have a leaky gut, you actually have to heal the gut. So when you go gluten-free, usually initially, first couple of months, we feel really good, right? Like, oh, okay, that made a difference. And then you hit a wall. What's because you didn't go to the next, three steps, which is re-inoculating the gut. You know what I'm saying? Like making sure that you're repairing the gut, all of those things. And so I always tell people it's so much, it's, we like, we do the superficial things because it's kind of like that glacier, everything under here is really hard. Yep, exactly. The second you said that all I thought about was, oh, that, then now people are going to say, oh, so I should take probiotics. They're not even going to think about what they should be changing their food. They're like, oh, yes. can you give me a pill for that. That's because no. once again, the dieting mentality, they'll go right to like, yes. just give me a probiotic, just give me a prebiotic, whatever it is, like prebiotics, is the new probiotic, I guess. So, yes. you know, it's always going to be like, you know, now there's applications for that, but just that's exactly 100%. And I would hundred percent agree with that, that that is a huge thing. And I know that this girl is going to be so excited to keep a, keep a notebook. She's going to, cause she really does. She's very very methodical and likely why what you said is, is she really having a flare up or is she overthinking it a little bit, maybe getting a little bit stressed out about it? So that's good. And and let me just go in on that too. Like again, hashy girls, vitamin D. I want to talk about vitamin D levels real quick because normal standard range says vitamin D of 30 is normal. Okay. Functional med says if you have an autoimmune condition, they want to see our vitamin D levels between 60 and 80. Yep. 
I guess I live in Florida and it's sunny and I take vitamin D. Yeah. I take vitamin D because there's, you can't, you really can't overdose on vitamin D. It'd be very, you can't, so, you can't, you like, can't. So I take it every day, you know? Yes. And, it's, and I'm in central Texas. And let me tell you, it took me a year to get my numbers up. I actually ended up having to go to a tanning bed, which is like, what? Well, my doctor's like, because we found it in the winter and I couldn't, the supplements just weren't, it just wasn't getting me where I needed to be. So she yeah. put me in a tanning bed. Okay. Homegirl is pasty white. I literally was getting in the tanning bed for three to six minutes per week. So you can even tell I didn't have a tan, Yeah. but in three months, my levels jumped where they needed to be. Um, and so I don't do that anymore, but you want 10,000 IUs every single day, especially going into the fall and winter months when we have less sun exposure. Um, some people, if you're, if you're in the Pacific Northwest, take 10,000 IUs year round. Yeah. If you're like me and Cheryl and you're in Florida, you're in Texas and you're you know, you're a person that likes to get outside, you could probably toggle to 5,000 IUs in the spring and summer. Um, but that's just one of those things. There is a, there is evidence that depression, anxiety, those symptoms um, are definitely correlated with the low vitamin D level. So I would just make sure that she's not going like this with yeah. that. Like, and are it, you supplementing with it? Are you getting outside? Are you getting some natural sunlight in your life? It makes yeah. a difference. I don't want to keep beating this down, but vitamin D is so important. And what's funny is when she was first starting to go through this whole process, I'm like, Hey, we need to get you outside more. She was like, the doctor told me to stay out of the sun because the medication he put on, I'm like, well, you, you need sunlight. Like you need something. He's like, well, he's worried about the sun the sun and the medication. I'm like, so I'm like, I don't want to go like, I'm like, I'm not trying to go against what the doctor's telling you, but like, I don't think sitting outside for 10 minutes a day is no. going to cause an issue. So even if you have to wear a hat or something, I don't know. So, yeah. um, but that was a great one. Uh, you already mentioned the testing. Okay. She asked about foods and nutrients to avoid or foods to get plenty of. So I guess foods to watch out for, which I think she actually knows that pretty well. I think you mentioned a couple, um, you know, you, I guess you can talk about your not your thoughts about like nightshade veggies and things like that. If you wanted to, that was really the only other thing I've ever mentioned to her. And then, uh, uh, foods that you feel like people should be getting plenty more of. So one of the things that we talk about in the course, um, is, and one of the reasons I did this is because when I did all of this, um, I was just told autoimmune paleo is what I needed to do. Yeah. And I had to do a full elimination diet, guys. It was awful. And I had no support. I was doing it by myself. It took me three times before I actually committed to it because it was so hard. It was so restrictive. And I just don't believe that most people need that extensive of a change. Like it's typically not all the food. It's like change your sleep, change your stress, change the way you work out. And then let's talk about foods. And so with my girls, we do an elimination diet the last six weeks of the course. We do it together and I let them pick because I'm like, if, if your lifestyle only allows you to eliminate two things at a time, who cares if it takes you longer to figure this out? If you can stick to it, we're going to do what you can stick to. So minimum, I make people eliminate gluten and, and dairy. However, the list is usually the high allergenic foods. It's gluten, dairy, corn, soy peanuts, nightshades, preservatives, you know, all of those things. And so most people typically pick two to four things. And I tell people do a full elimination on that, add it back in, um, eggs is in that too. Um, see what your body does to it. Just because you don't have an, this is just checking to see an acute reaction. Yeah. I never had a reaction to gluten. When I eat gluten, 
I don't feel different. I, I just, I've had this conversation with her. Yeah. Because of that, specifically, something was wrong and I had to just choose to eliminate that. Yeah. It's funny because we've, um, went through some very similar. So I'm glad that I did this with her. I'm like, Hey, listen, you don't need to, let's just try and take out a couple things at a time. I did the exact same yeah. thing with her. And, and as we add them back, I'm like, you know what? You're not feeling any different when we take them out of, we add them in. So don't add the stress to yourself. Um, I think more importantly, is there anything that people can, because I'm all about power of addition, anything that people can be adding in more of that yeah. you feel like can help. So one of the things that we do is we have a hashtag girl tracker that we start in the beginning. So water, make sure you're drinking your water, add in more sleep, right? Like most people add in more sleep, make sure you're getting a solid amount of protein. And here, you know, Cheryl, coming from our nutrition backgrounds, you know, we're all like, you know, the one for one, like, you know, one gram per pound. Well, most of these hashtag girls, they're not pounding the weights in the gym. You know what I'm saying? Like they can barely get off the darn couch. So I tell them like, Find something you can consistently hit and shoot for that. So we do more of the 0.7 to one gram. That's kind of how I do I do 0.6 because they can't even, like they've never even hit 50 grams a day. Mm -hmm. So we find something that's sustainable for them and have them start start including that in every single meal. And then I focus on veggies, like Mm -hmm. eating more veggies. And we do what we call the hashtag girl perfect plate. Um, Just create a plate. And I just teach Oh, it's yeah. so similar. I like it. Yeah. So it's, it's not rocket science guys. You're oh, going to see not. this yeah. nutrition coaches, but I'm just, and we have, I do an entire, um, like food list, like pick your plate. Here's your protein. Yeah. Pick your starchy carb, pick a vegetable, pick a fat. Um, biggest myth ever is that we should go low carb. Probably the worst thing that we can do. Our thyroid need carbs to convert. So that doesn't mean you, you know, if you're not a Cheryl and you're pounding out weights in the gym and crossfitting and all that, you probably don't need 200, 250 grams of carbs. I always tell my hashi girls, minimum 75 grams. Most of them can hang out at hundred and feel really good there, especially for my girls. If they're experiencing any kind of insulin issues going on, yeah, which we is go awesome. to the lower end, but we don't go below that because we, it has to be a balance. It just, we have, they have to know it might take a little bit longer. Yeah. So this girl is funny because, and I'm just going to keep using her as an example, guys, if you guys have any questions pop in, but she's the opposite. She does not mind eating. She's got an appetite. In fact, almost a larger appetite because she wants to lose a little bit of weight, but I'm like, Hey, right now that's going to add too much stress for you. Like anytime I drop her carbs under 200, she starts to get stressed out more. Mm -hmm. So I've got her kind of doing something a little bit different right now where she's not really focusing on her whole day. She's just focusing on getting a balance at every meal and, and just seeing how that works. But that's, and the reason I said that is, and this is good for all of you guys, is that what I, what I want people to understand is the things that we do to fix a problem are usually the same thing that we do to optimize our mm-hmm. life and that it actually ends up helping to fix the problem. But people are always yeah. looking for the solution to being the special case, right? But what if the special case just needs the basics? And then yeah. from there, you add on specific supplements, you know, like whatever it might be, the seaweed, the iron, the iodine thing, other things that people start going into the weeds about, um, you know, the, the herbal. Most of us aren't unicorns. Yeah. Like, it's like, it's not, it's not as much as more about the basics. So mm-hmm. loving where this is going. Um, how to deal with low energy days. Oh, I feel like I can answer that one, but I'm sure you've probably experienced them. What did you do on your low energy days, Lee? So they're going to be there. Um, you lean into them. And, and that's why I said, don't, don't try to fight them. I'm not a girl that I'm not a, 
low energy, going to go crawl back in bed because I can't, I've got three boys. I've got a husband. Like I, I don't have time to go do that. Um, but typically I, I give myself a little bit of grace, you know, and I do the bare minimum. I'll have that power list and say, okay, well, I've got these two clients. I'm going to knock them out. Um, you know, and I might go to bed and the dishes still be in the, uh, the dishwasher. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just Love it. part of it. I don't go a lot of times you have low energy days, but you're like, Oh, I need to go work out. Cause I got to relieve this stress in my mind. Well, the worst thing you can do is go do a high intensity workout, right? Like go for a walk. Um, I always feel like when I don't have the energy to work out, getting outside and into the elements, feel the breeze on your face or the sun pounding down, depending on where you're at, you know, like take the air, air buds out, listen to the birds, listen to nature, like things like that usually will awaken you. It only takes about five minutes of being outside for your body to start to make that transformation. Yeah, that's, that's great. And then uh, last question she had, and then I'm just going to open it up to you for more is, uh, when is the best time to take your medication with, it says, okay. so she wrote, to be, oh, I have heard different things about when to take thyroid medication before food, after food, wait 30 minutes after eating. What is the best time to take it? Or if it differs for each person, what would, what should you look for to determine the optimal time frame and conditions? So we all, most people or most doctors will tell you, just make sure you take your thyroid med away from everything else. Okay. So like I, and then on top, other than that, you take it when you can remember it. Like when can you be the most consistent? So I'm very big into habit stacking. So Yep. Guess where my thyroid meds sit? They sit right next to my coffee pot because <laughs> she never forgets to drink her coffee in the morning. That's so exactly I, where my supplements are. Yes. Seriously. I have totally. my coffee pot yep. and I have my supplements. And so I go in there, I grab my thyroid med, I take my thyroid med, I start my coffee pot. And then I do whatever I'm going to do, get my kids out the door. I come back, I take the rest of my supplements. And they usually, they say 30 to 60 minutes is what it takes. Now I have some clients that can never remember because I think they're just rush, rush, rush out the door. So they take their supplements at night before they go to bed. I have one client that takes it. She said, I, every night I wake up at four to go pee and I take my thyroid supplement so that when I wake up, I'm starving. I can eat breakfast. I don't have to wait 30 minutes. And I'm like, it works for you. I don't care. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so can you kind of, um, you know, it, it, if anybody has any questions, please chime in, but I, I want to hear more and, and obviously give people, cause I'm interested in, I mean, I actually think I might sign up for your course and, and then, uh, obviously a little bit more about your book and all that kinds of stuff to kind of just give us a little bit more background on that. Cause I'm thinking about just jumping into your course. I mean, I, I would love to kind of just get an idea for it and see how it goes and I don't know, be fun. So it's, uh, yeah, no, we love it. It's, um, so the, the course is 13 weeks. We, it's 12 weeks of actual work and we have what we call a pre-week because I figured out really quickly that starting people on week one and thinking they're all going to be ready was foolish. Like, yeah. <laughs> so we have like a, a housekeeping week is what I call it, where we get everybody on the phone and we meet each other and we get started. But um, the, in general, like the first part of it, it's, it's, it's foundation. It's resetting sleep, stress. Um, we talk about relationships, we talk about mindset, mental health, because most of us, by the time that they have gotten to me and they're willing to spend the money with me have been told they don't look sick. Nothing's wrong with them. Their lab work is fine. They're crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like, so there's some mental health issues going on. Uh, many of us have been misdiagnosed as depressed 
and anxious. Mm -hmm. um, and, and some of us, some of them are valid, but there's many that were not valid. It was actually hatchies and it was going untreated. Um, and then the last habit is where we do, we call it 35 to thrive. We actually implement. And so this is where we do an elimination diet together. We actually have a phone call right before we start that so that I can figure out where are these people at? What do they want to do? Um, what is their goal for this last half? And we, we do that together. And the cool thing is, is it's in a group of women, um, typically 15 to 20 women, they do it together. We have a Marco Polo group the entire time. They support each other, they become friends. Um, Cause we believe like you're better together, right? You, to do this on your own, that was miserable for me. And it was hard and it was harder than it had to be. So that's why we created this is so that these women could be with other like-minded women and figure it out together. And it's been so, so fun and so successful. That's so awesome. I love it. And then your book, where can we find that? So the book comes with a course. Oh, but, I like it. However, yeah. Yes, yes. Um, the book does come with a course. However, um, we have, we're on two different platforms. Well, I, gosh, we have three platforms now. It's so crazy how fast this is going. So Instagram is Lee Lee Montgomery, L-E-I-G-H, L-E-I-G-H. I'll make sure I send that to you guys and I'll have it in the uh, show thing. I'll put it in the podcast notes too. Um, from there, if you go to the link in my bio, there is, there's a fly right in front of my face. Um, if you go to the link in my bio, you can get to my free Facebook group. So, um, that's just a good place to come out, come hang out with other Hashi girls. If any of you are in Facebook groups for women with Hashimoto's, I had to remove myself. They are so negative. They are Debbie Downers. Everybody's always complaining, but they're not doing the work. You know what I'm saying? And so we decided when we made that group, we were going to be uplifting. We were going to be supportive. We were going to help people provide value, provide impact, make sure that we were, um, we protect our girls. Okay. That's what I will tell you. Um, and so that is, that's the Facebook group. And then we also have the website, which is hashigirls.com. And on there, that's, you can find my blog. You can find our favorite items that we use. Cause you know, in this, we also talk about like chemical exposure, environmental. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I tell people don't do this all at once, but as you get further right. along in your journey, change what you're putting on your skin, change what you're putting in your hair. And so we, we have recommendations on that for people that are just curious or don't know where to start. That's awesome. Okay. So I just wrote those things down. I actually had one more question that I forgot about. Cause this is just uh, something that I thought about. Um, males, is mm -hmm. this, is this in males or is this only a female dominant thing? Because we're talking Hashi girls here. Cause that's your, yeah, that's who you typically yeah. work with, but it can men develop. I mean, yes. I guess I feel like the prevalence of it is mostly female population. Yeah. So but, it is majority female. Um, but men do have it. Um, I've had men contact me and I tell them I'll, I'll help you that you can't be in my group because this group is cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So um, I've had probably three or four men that have contacted me and um, presents very similarly as a hashi girl would, um, but way less prevalent, way okay. less prevalent. I was just curious about that because I, you know, obviously I thought about that before. I'm like, cause you know, I have a couple of guys that are hypothyroid and, you know, I, I think it's pretty common that usually if that's the case, you probably do have some type of version of autoimmune or something triggering it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. That was one of the things I was going to say is that if you are just hypothyroid right now and you haven't had a full lab panel, 
including the antibodies, be an advocate, go ask for it so that you can get those baselines. And then I would, if, if you continue to be in the hypothyroid ranges over the year, at least every year to get that stuff ran so that you can catch it. Like if it decides to become hashies, if something triggers that to happen, you can catch it quickly because the quicker you catch it, the easier it is to get, to, to get it to control. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. My mom is hypothyroid and she, when I was going through the whole paleo time of my life, when I was really geeking out on the leaky gut stuff and everything, mm-hmm. like, mom, have you ever been checked for this? And she's like, oh yeah, they told me I have it. I'm like, I, I would say you do. And now looking at where my mom's at right now, she's right now and not to get it all, all moan, you know, sad, but she's right now has stage four liver cirrhosis, mm-hmm. uh, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Her thyroid's completely shot. Doesn't basically, it's like, she doesn't even have one. And I'm just like looking back at her lifestyle, her habits. And I'm like, but she kept telling me, nope, nope, nope. So it's crazy though, for sure. Um, Well, Miss Lee, anything else to add? I know you have kids in football tonight, so I don't want to keep too much of your time. I I so appreciate you. I've been wanting to connect with you for a while. Um, Just, it's really uh, inspiring listening to your story. And and I know you're doing really amazing things with your group. So I will make sure that my, my community also knows about your group. And this will be also on my podcast as well. So awesome. anybody else? Yeah, and let them know um, when you get it, when it's going to launch on the podcast and we'll, we'll put it yeah. out there for you as well. But what I was just going to say is um, if whoever couldn't make this, if they have questions, um, feel free. If you want to add me to your group or whatever, I'm happy to go in there and, and answer questions after the fact. And then I will give you a couple of, we have a couple infographics that are pretty helpful. Um, the test to run, what's the difference between Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism, just stuff that they can visually see um, that might be helpful. I love it. Thank you so much, Lee. Uh, ladies, anybody else or even Dylan, any questions you guys might want to ask from any from Lee? Anything? No? <laughs> Let me make sure. I don't see anything else. Well, they're quiet. I did, so have, I, yeah. I did yes. have one. Um, All right. So not a guy question per se i know i'm the only guy here but um (laughs) what type of sleep problems tend to show up for not necessarily hashimoto's but just any thyroid dysfunction you know if someone doesn't have a diagnosis what type of patterns arise is it an ability to fall asleep is it just not getting deep sleep you know you said you you spend quite a bit of time in your course on that so Mm -hmm. can you fill us in a little bit um all of the above but the numero uno thing is high-functioning women that try to do all of the stuff so they just don't prioritize sleep. So that's number one. Like they're just not prioritizing it. Most of them don't realize how bad it is. They think that it's okay to live on five to six hours. They truly do. And that's just the American way, I think. So they don't, it's not like it's, that's what you're exposed to every day, right? Like most people say you don't need that much sleep. So just not prioritizing it. I can tell you though, once we get into the weeds of it and we get that um, nighttime routine in check and that waking up in check, um, if there, many of them can't fall asleep, it's a, um, they shut their eyes. You'll hear people talk about like they see sparks, they see sparklers, like it just won't shut down. Um, so many of them have so many thoughts going through their head that they don't, they don't want to fall asleep because they don't want to forget. So one of the things I do with them is I have them do what we call a brain dump journal by their bed at night. So before they go to bed, they have to brain dump everything. I mean, like mom's here. 
how many times you go to bed and the last thing you think of is, gosh, I got to get cream cheese for such and such tomorrow. Like, you know, and like <laughs> random, now I can't go to sleep because I'm scared I'm going to forget the cream cheese, right? It's so stupid, but like, write that down. Now you've given yourself permission to go to sleep because you're not going to forget that you have a list. And it's just the stupid, it's really, I say stupid, but it's the stupidest things that would keep us up because we have so much going on. So that, that's one of them. The other one is some of us can go to sleep because we're dog ass tired, but then we can't stay asleep and we toss and we turn. And so trying to help them with that. A lot of times what it is is that they're crash dieting because they've gained weight. So they're under eating or they're not eating any carbs. And so their blood sugar is dropping in the middle of the night. And that's typically by the time we get to the sleep, I think sleep starts week two or three for us. Um, we've got them hydrating and we've got them um, paying attention to food. We don't, we haven't given any recommendations or just paying attention to it. And we talk about that in the course about making sure they're eating enough. And when they start doing that, guess what happens? Start sleeping through the night. It's yeah. Crazy. Yeah. I just uh, sent a DM to somebody in this group. I said, this is more of a reason for you to sleep. And she knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, We're so. both thinking of the same person, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, we are. Because yeah, yeah I'll, Lay will fill you in a little bit. The example I'm thinking of, I'm not going to name names, but currently struggling to get past three hours. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I, I can't function on six. If I'm at six hours a night, I'm like, sleep, I get anxiety. So yeah. But, uh, and mine's seven hours and 15 minutes. I can do that's that's my like yeah happy sweet spot yeah and if I get under that I can get about one night under that and I can still function two nights and we're done like I have to yeah house comes down mama gotta and that's go to bed. last thing I'm gonna end on tonight because this is almost in the after Nick Riel's is like common theme I'm hearing is at some point we have to prioritize ourselves because prioritizing ourselves makes everything else so much better you know like if we take the, the time to get seven hours and 15 out or seven hours, 15 minutes of sleep a night, we can spend the other 13 hours of our day or 14 hours of our day doing whatever mm -hmm. else we're doing. So, you know, being productive. Yeah. I always, this is the analogy I use. The um, airlines always had it right. We have to put the oxygen mask on ourselves first before we can take care of anyone else. And we don't want to do that. Yep. So true. And if you do, it's game changer. It really is. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Lee. If you, if you need anything from me too, by the way, let me know. And I'll, yeah. send, you a, I'll send you the recording and everything like that as well for right. you and, uh, and good stuff. I'll stand for a few more minutes. Awesome. If anybody else has any questions, um, but thank you so much and have fun at football. Hopefully the weather. Thank you. Good. Yes. Okay. Yes. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for Bye. having me. Bye. Bye. Miss Tracy, do you feel like you were put on the spot there? <laughs> No, no, that's fine. I, I get it. I'm just trying to figure it all out too. And it's just sounds like consistency is key with everything. Yeah, so it is. I'm going to sign.